0: Welcome to Momentum Church. Well, this is our second week in our Summer Revival series. And I've told you last week, I said that there are series that I do because you need them, right? But there are series I do because I need them, amen? And I don't know about y'all, I need a touch from the presence of the Lord. I need a stirring in my own heart, amen. And, and, and you cannot make a revival happen. You just can't. But you can prepare your hearts in such a way for a move of God that welcomes his presence, amen. And, and, and no matter what, I mean, like, like, you can't shout yourself into a revival. I'd try if I could. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but you can get your heart in a place of repentance. You can get your heart in a place of receptivity. Amen? And I'm telling you, when a people together, collectively, say, This is a season where we're going after God, God just is drawn to that. Amen? And that's what we're doing. Like I told my team a few months ago, I said, I don't know what it's going to look like. We've never had a series we just called Summer Revival. But I just know that He wants to refresh His people. How many's had a year and a half? It's just been kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. Tore up from the floor up, right? Messed up from the chest up. I mean, it's been a nutso kind of season, amen? But God wants to come and touch his people. And I just believe if we will declare and set some time apart for him, he will be drawn to that. (coughs) And that's what we're doing. And so today is our second week in the series, but what's going to happen is this Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday, we're just consecrating the weekend. It's holy before the Lord, and I want to invite you all to come, bring your friends, bring your family, amen? Friday night, 7 o'clock, I'll be kicking off our, our weekend of services, and then there will not be childcare that night. I believe it's good for kids to sit under the anointing of the presence of God, amen? And so that's going to be Friday night. Saturday night at 7 o'clock, I have Gabriel Trevino, a good, good, close friend of mine. He's ministering again that night. No child care. Have your kids in here. Amen. It's wonderful watching our little ones come before the presence of the Lord. Amen. I know you'll want to choke them. I get that. But God's going to touch them. On Sunday morning, I have a guest speaker named Ty Buckingham coming. And he'll be speaking in both services. We will have child ministry just like we were having today on Sunday morning. And then Sunday night at 6, Ty's coming back. And we'll have child care from 0 to 5 years old. But the older children can be in here with us. But Ty's coming back at 6. And we're just setting four services aside. God, what do you want to do in our lives? Now, with that, I believe you prepare your hearts for what God wants to do. So, last Sunday's teaching and today are preparatory type teachings, just to get our hearts in that place that we're ready to receive more from the Lord. How many want to receive more from God? Amen. Y'all kind of quiet. I said, You want to receive more from God? Amen. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. And I'm not so naive to think that everybody in here, that I'm preaching to everybody, I know that. There are those in the room that are very satisfied with the relationship with Jesus. There are those in the room that are very satisfied, kind of like a watch. I love my watch, and I can put my watch on, and it does its thing. I can always count on it. It's always right there at the end of my arm. It's a nice accessory, right? Sometimes we treat Jesus like that, right? It's like, like I'm saved. I got a, he's right there close to me, you know. When I'm fearful, oh, I, he's right there, right? But I'm not talking to those people. They're just satisfied. The ones I've come in here to preach to today are the ones that are saying, God, I want to be a remnant of the faithful. I want to be a remnant of those that are hungry for the presence and move of the Holy Spirit. Am I preaching to anybody in here this morning? You know God works that way. All throughout Scripture, you see him drawing remnants to himself, people within a people, a group within a group, a nation within a nation. And when those people respond and God shows up, the miraculous happens. And when those people show up, when God shows up, when those people respond and begin to walk out what God has them to walk out, God's plans, his purpose, and his power starts to manifest. Manifest. That's what I want. Amen. Yes. Amen. And, and I'm not talking about his hand. I'm not talking about just chasing his hand. Gimme, 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 Jesus. Gimme, gimme, gimme. No, no, no. I'm saying his face. Like I want to see. If I get his face, I find his favor. I, I, I want to see his face. Amen. And I want us as a body to be there, right, to go after him. And so I thank God that there are people in this house today that you know there's something greater in the presence of the Lord for you, for your family, for your community, and you know that comes from being touched by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're just going to lean into what God's going to do. And I told you last week, a revival, you know, it's not like I said, it's something you can make happen, but you can prepare your hearts for it. We need a renewal. We need a revival. We need, revive means to be brought back to life. Revive means to be restored to consciousness. I don't want to go through my days and my weeks where the Holy Spirit's the last thing on my mind, where, where His Word is the last thing I seek, where my consciousness is, is so engrossed in the day-to-day things that I miss what God is trying to say and do. No, 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 I want, I want my consciousness awoke. Amen? To the presence and leading of the Holy Spirit. That idea of revival means to bring back into existence. There are things in your spiritual walk that feel like they have died. And God wants to bring them back. He wants to bring a freshness to the relationship that you have with Him. Amen? So that's what we're going to do today. As we begin to look at what it takes, what is necessary for us to begin to move deeper into the presence, the power, and the plans of God. And we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, have your way with us today. Visit us with your Holy Spirit. Begin to do a work that draws us to your heart, God. Allow us to be those that will respond in obedience to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. When I say that it is necessary for us to do some things to experience a move of God, some would look and say, no, 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 no. no! God is sovereign all by himself. He will choose to do what he desires and what he desires not to do. And in one part, yes, you were right. I get that. But out of God's sovereignty, he said, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. He gives us an invitation. So all throughout Scripture... Arenda is given an invitation to respond, and that's what this passage I want to read says. It's 2 Chronicles 7.14, and I've read this before on our prayer nights. I don't know if I've read it in a while on a Sunday morning, so I want you to hear this. It says, if my people, amen, It's us. We're not, we're not talking about the world. Revival is for the church. It's not like I wish those people out there would change. I wish the world would get it squared away. I wish the world would. I wish, I wish them filthy sinners. That's not what revival's about. No, revival's us. God do something in us if my people who are called by my name, you Christians, will humble themselves. I love that. Humility, it's that mark that I don't know, I don't have it all figured out. I don't have all the answers. I I look at the word. That's where my basis is. and I'm going to humble myself. I can't make a revival happen. I can't make a touch of God. But I'm going to call upon him. I'm going to humble myself. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Amen. Not his hand. Do I believe that signs and wonders will follow those who believe? Yes. Do I believe Friday and Saturday, even today, that God and Sunday, God's going to do miracles in this house? I do. I do. It's hard to seek his face and not find his favor. You know, it's just, that, it's just it goes hand in hand. But we're going to seek his face. And this is, and turn from their wicked ways. Repentance. Say repentance. repentance. Then I will hear from heaven will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's revival. God's going to hear. He's going to forgive. He's going to heal. He's going to move and stir. But we as his people, we are in partnership with him. He waits. And he says, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and they'll pray and they'll seek my face. Then I will do all these things. And so that's what I want to look at today. Because God is waiting on us to do what is necessary to usher in a revival of his presence, his power, and his plans. And when I say God is waiting on us, listen, listen. It's not God is waiting on your preacher to do what is necessary for his power, plans, purpose to flow. No, no, no. It's not God is waiting on your husband, wife, or God is waiting on your wife, husband. If you're a teenager, well, God is waiting on my parents or whatever. If you're, if you're, God is waiting on my journey group leader. God is waiting on my ministry team leader. No, no, no. God's waiting on us. In other words, he's waiting on you. Amen. Why don't you look to somebody beside you to say he's waiting on you. Dude, that's uncomfortable, isn't it? Like, whew. It's like he's waiting on you. And then you're saying that to me, and I'm just like, I don't want that responsibility. Amen? I don't want that responsibility. I don't don't want to hold back a move of God because my heart's not where it needs to be. Don't say that to me, Chaz. I don't like that. feels weird, doesn't it? No, 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 it's not that it feels weird. It feels heavy. That's the weight of responsibility. That's a good thing. If my people, yeah, the calling is on us. We're the ones that are going to be responsible to allow an ushering of his presence, his move, his power, plans, and purpose to show up in this place. And I just want our hearts, and today we're going to look at what it takes to get our hearts to that place that we can walk in that. Listen here. God's purposes and plans are made possible and performed by his power. Y'all know I like alliteration. Can I say that again? God's purposes and his plans are made possible and performed by his, everybody say power. power. When I was a kid, there was an evangelist, R.W. Shambach. He would say power. <laughs> Amen. Made possible by his. Power. That wasn't R.W. enough. That's all right. That's all right. Now listen to this. The the power of God, his omnipotency, catch this, the omnipotency of God is directly proportionate to the holiness of God. You wonder why God is completely powerful? It's because he's completely holy, all right? Seeing that God is totally, completely, and unequivocally holy, he then is ultimately powerful. I'm going to say it this way. God is perfectly holy. Therefore, he is perfectly powerful. I can give you kind of examples from our natural world, all right? Fuel. If fuel has impurities in it, the fuel will not burn with the same kind of energy that it would if the fuel was pure. So the holiness, the purity of the fuel creates even a stronger energy. How about oil? If oil has impurities in it, that oil will not burn as bright as oil that is more of a pure grade of oil. How about about steel? I'm from Ohio, and we had steel plants where I I grew up. And that steel goes through a refinement process where the dross comes up, the weaknesses, the, the stuff comes up in that steel, and they skim that off. And when that steel is done, it's strong. But left without the unrefinements taken care of, if those things are left latent within it will not have the same strength as that steel that has a lot more purity to it. Amen? You see how that works? One last one. Can I give you one last one? How about medicine? Medicine is full of contaminant, stuff that shouldn't be in there. <laughs> There's words I struggle with. I didn't even realize I struggled with that one until first service. Yeah. You go get your COVID vaccine. <clears throat> got quiet, didn't it? <laughs> But you don't, want, you don't want no junk. You don't want no junk in there, right? You, you want it to be as pure as possible, right? <laughs> okay, we're not going to get political. I'm just a horrible example. All right. <laughs> but when your medicine doesn't have junk in it, right, if it has junk in it, it will not have the same power to heal the body as the medicine that is pure. So let me say it again. God is perfectly holy. Therefore, he is perfectly powerful. All right. Let me go back to my P's. God's plans and purposes are performed by his perfect power. But here's the rub. Are you ready for this? God's plans and purposes are performed by his perfect power, but they're also performed in and through his people. Yeah. That's the rub. He he waits for those. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear. Then I will forgive. Then I will pour out healing on their He waits for his people. He doesn't have anybody else. I'm so tired of looking at sinners outside the four walls of this church and being concerned and worried about their walk, their life. Now, I'm not saying my heart's not for them. I'm just saying too many Christians are like, I can't believe them. Look how they act. Well, that's not going to bring revival. Amen. Your nasty side glance will not change a heart. But you get touched by the power of the Holy Spirit because you're humbling yourself before God. And his presence starts to get poured out on you. And now you walk out into the world, your job, your workplace, your family, and they start to sense an anointing on you. The Bible says the anointing of God breaks the yokes yeah. that are upon people, not your sideways glance. Amen. Whoo. So, yes, revival is for the lost, but it's because we become so alive in the presence of God that the anointing of God on us, the glory of God on us, the favor of God on us, his purpose, power, and plans start to manifest out our lives. Amen? And the lost will see that, feel that, sense that, know that something is different. And so it happens through his people, and that's a responsibility. Let me, let me show you how that responsibility looks. First Peter 1. Verse 13 through 16. It says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, because it is written, Be holy. For I am holy. You're starting to see this invitation. God is holy. Because he's holy, he's powerful. And now he starts to speak into our life a responsibility for us to do something so that we can begin to walk in the holiness that he has. Not the holiness that we have, but the holiness that he has. And here's how it looks. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, that is a Middle Eastern picture. Can I give you a Western picture of what that is saying? If I was to tell you, roll up your sleeves, what would that tell you about? Like, what, like, what, like get your sleeves rolled up, Johnny. Roll up your sleeves. Get, I'm getting ready to work. Yeah, I'm getting ready to work. I'm getting stuff out of the way that's holding me back so I can get the job done. That's what this is saying. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Get rid of the thing that is getting in the way. Right? I got this, this loins. They, they would wear garments and they would gird them up. And if they were going to go run, they're going to have to get those things girded up. Right? It would be horrible to come. I'm coming after you. you gotta, you got to gird that up if you're going to run. You've got to gird that up if you're going to get down to business. you got to gird that up if you're going to get to work. Amen? And here's what I love. He's not saying that grace isn't enough. No, grace is awesome. I'm glad you got the revelation of grace through Jesus. But also he comes and he says, no, no, get down to business because there's still some stuff in you. Those old former lusts, they're going to try, those old former things, and continue to walk holy as I am holy. Like strive to get down to business, to deal with those things. Those things in scripture are called flesh. Say flesh. Yeah, and, and I can remember going one time to a pastor's conference, and I shared a room with a pastor friend of mine. And it was kind of a neat thing because Alfred Tedeschi, this 85-year-old Italian pastor, who had been pastoring for 50 years, shared the room with us. And, oh, glory to God. That's, he had the great, I love how, you know, oh, God is so good. It was like going to church with Christopher Lloyd. It was awesome. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> and then another fellow that was with us, Reverend Eliezer Akochia a Nigerian brother. He was the head of our prayer ministry in Ohio, still a close friend of mine, and he had to have been in his early 60s. And so we get back to the room after the conference, and he goes and he puts on his, his loins, and he comes out. We don't dress like that when we go to bed, but he's African. And this garment, it, was, it, it, it had lots of material. And, and he just had no shirt on, and he had, he had that. And actually, he had it tossed over his shoulder, over his shoulder. And then he gets ready to go to bed, and this guy would box, all right? He was a specimen. He really was. So he pulls that thing off his shoulder. He does this, and basically swaddles this thing. He girds up his loins, all right? And he goes to work. He starts doing his calisthenics. And now I'm like, well, no wonder this guy, he's almost 80 years old now, still playing soccer. No wonder this guy at 60-some years old is boxing like he was. He's all girded up, and he's getting to work, and he's, oof, oof, he's crunching, and he's doing all this stuff. He's got a, six, a 12-pack, you know, I mean, like, he's, he's jacked. And I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't look like that. <laughs> Do you know Why? Because that was his practice to gird up his loins, to get down to business, and he looked fit where I look fat. His flesh had been buffeted. His flesh had been dealt with in such a way because he got down to business. He dealt with his flesh, and you could see the glory of God on the guy. I ain't got things for guys, but he was hot. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Don't soundbite that. Don't soundbite that. That was funny right there. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I said one time about something like that, I said, that guy looks like I do in my dreams as a joke. And then Amy goes, that's what you look like in my dreams too. I never forget that (laughs) so I hit her no no spousal abuse is never funny don't laugh so (laughs) but that's what he dealt with his flesh that's what it's saying here all right roll up your sleeves get rid of that which is getting the way and run go for what God has For you. In verse 16, it says that that to be holy as he is holy. Now, listen, we are not perfectly holy. I understand that. But God calls us to be holy as he is holy. And as I began to think about that, I thought, that just doesn't seem fair, Lord. Like, you know, even Paul that wrote scripture said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. I mean, God, you know, it's a struggle for your people. Yet he still gives the challenge. To be holy as I am holy. And so here's what I wrote down. Just listen to this. There is a built-in expectation of dependency linked to God's command to be holy as he is holy. Just that alone. When he says be holy as I am holy, instantly there's a built-in expectation linked to his dependency. Like I've got to be dependent on him. I can't be holy in my own self but I can humble myself, I can pray, I can seek His face, I can become, everybody say repentant. Repentant. And God's Spirit will come and He will bring me His holiness, His strength. That challenge instantly just makes me really dependent on, on God. And so it's a challenge to us as we're moving into revival that God wants us to get rid of those things that are hindering us from seeing God's favor. And we saw in that song today, his favor is linked to his face. We're not looking at his hand, we're looking at his face. And there's things that's hindering us, flesh, things that we deal with. And God wants us to look deeply into his face during this season and have this experience of his presence that changes everything. You know how it is when you look at your spouse's face. How many has been married longer than 10 years? Raise your hand. All right, 15, 20, 30... 40, 52, right? One. 51, 51 years. I guarantee you, Grandma Tricia can look at Grandpa Eddie and she can tell everything that man's thinking just by the look on his face. <laughs> no, let's flip, flip that other way around. Eddie can tell what she's thinking by the look on her face. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I can look at Amy and in a moment I can see, oh, I'm in trouble. I have messed up. Like, or I can look at her and I can be like, I'm the freaking man. Mm. Mm-hmm. I ain't Eliezer Akuchia, but, mm. you know. <laughs> but you can see it in the face. that That's what intimacy brings. Like a spirit of revival, you just draw close to the face of God. And you start to hear and see and know his plans and his purpose. And I can know what she wants of me. I got up on, on my day off, and she's like, oh, I can see it. She just looks so downcast. What's wrong? The dishwasher's not working again. You know, and it's one of those deals where we have bought a used dishwasher, and I've futzed around with it, you know, futzed. I said futzed around with it and over and over and over. <laughs> so I get up, and she's frustrated with this thing again. And, um, and so I end up leaving. And when I come back, I come back with a brand new one dishwasher and, a, and brand new, um, what do you call the, the, the thank you, the garbage disposal, because the other one, the other one spun, it just didn't cut up anything anymore, it just kind of, it was, yeah, it just was kind of useless, and so basically, she didn't expect that, but I could see it on her face, and I came home, and I, in, like, I just installed everything really quick, because that stuff installs pretty easy, you know, and, 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 yeah, were you happy? Yeah. And I could see that that pleasure in her face. But I could see her desire. I could see her plan, her her wish, her want, you know. And it's just, that's what relationships do, you know. Hmm. When when we were first dating, Amy and I, and you can't really talk about revival without talking about relationship. Because that's what you want is an intimacy with God. And when we were first dating, you know, I picked her up. I I dropped her off the first time. We had a school event. And she needed a ride home. And I dropped her off. And I get home. I'm not home five minutes. Man, I want to see her again. I can't wait till Monday. I can't wait back till school. This is Saturday. I, I gotta see her again. I'm dying to see her again. And so I get on the phone, hey Amy, yeah, Ross? I'm like, yeah, what are you doing? I, I I you just left me at the house. I'm here at the house, you know. Can I come back? And she's like, oh yeah. <laughs> <No>. So <laughs> so I run over there and um and I'm not there 10 minutes and I spill a glass of orange juice, you know, because I'm clumsy. And she thought it was cute. <laughs> I'm not fit. I'm foolish. But she loves it. And, and so what ends up happening is I, um, her mom comes in about five, ten minutes later. And she's just like, okay, Ross, bye. Like that's how her mom handled it. Like she's just was like, it, it's time to go now. I just came over here. But then the rest of the week, I could not wait. I was dying to see her on Monday. You know, you're not as a die to see somebody, you know. When I went to Pennsylvania to intern at this church for a year, oh, my gosh, this is before cell phone stuff. We were writing notes back and forth. I'm just dying to see my girl, you know. Hmm. I want to cover something with you that I think you won't forget. The more we seek God, the more we want to experience God. If, if we stop desiring to experience God, it's because we've stopped seeking Him. I, I'm, I'm not saying we haven't stopped seeking religion. I'm not saying we haven't stopped seeking service to Him at the church. I'm not saying that we haven't stopped seeking tithing or stopped seeking coming to church or even small group. But there's something that if we're not careful, we just lose that, that, that sense of dying to be in His presence. I just want to hear Your voice, Lord. I just want Your Word to explode in understanding to me afresh and anew again. I want to see your face. I, and I'm okay, God, if when I see your face, I sense your pleasure. I'm really okay, God, if when I see your face, I sense your displeasure. I just, I just, want, to see, I just want to see your face. And I want to say something. I want you to get in your mind. Ready? Like, the, the, like, like when it comes to dying, listen, only dead men see God's face. Only dead men see God's face. Now, I'll tell you this. When I teach, and it's extremely exegetical, that means every point, everything's coming straight from Scripture, you know, that's my normal mode. But once in a while, God will give me something that's a little bit of eisegesis. And so I'm speaking this into it. We're not going to create a doctrine on this, but I believe from both the old and the new, I can give you a principle that dead men see God in a greater way. All right, let's, let's start in the Old Testament. and We'll work our way to the New. Is that okay? Exodus chapter 33. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you've said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. I love that. That I may know you In order to find favor. it comes out of that relationship. He says this. Consider too that this nation is your people. Verse 14. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. That's a great way to live. God, if you ain't going, I'm not going. Verse 16. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. Verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. We sing today about the favor of God, the glory of God, the glory, the manifest presence of who he is. Show me that. Moses is just asking God, show me your glory. Glory. I just lost it. In verse 19, he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will claim before you my name, the Lord, and I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I'll show mercy on whom I'll show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face. You catch that? You cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. Now, there's a couple realities in here. We can see that he is being hidden in the cleft of the rock. This is an Old Testament Testament foreshadowing of Jesus. You all know the song, rock of ages, cleft for me, right? Like, you know that song, right? That's that's what it's speaking here. Jesus is the rock of ages, the cleft for me. He's the one that I find myself hidden in. I can't come into a relationship apart from him. Why? Because I would die. Right? Right? I've got to be in Jesus to be there. But this is Old Testament. And I believe that in the Old Testament, there is such a connection we have with God that in the New Testament, Jesus opens wide that heaven, opens wide that opportunity for the presence of God. Amen? But here's what we see in the Old Testament. He's hiding in the rock because no man can see God and live. So here's the thing about about Moses, because it's talking about God's mercy and God going with him. Moses wasn't satisfied with just experiencing God's grace. He wanted his face. He wanted that intimate relationship. Can I tell you it this way? Don't be satisfied with fire insurance. Well, pastor, I prayed a prayer and I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Well, good. I'm glad you're not going to hell. Amen? We're glad nobody's not going to hell. Amen? But that's fire insurance. Do you know God has more for you? His presence, that intimate relationship in His presence, His power, His presence, and His purpose that manifests when we walk up into His glory, when we have that kind of intimacy and that kind of connection. Oh, there's more. So don't be satisfied having just fire insurance. Don't be satisfied having just a form of godliness, but not walking and experiencing the power of God as well. Don't be satisfied until the glory of God surrounds you and His plans and purposes begin to manifest all around you. Amen. That's, that's what I want. But he says, no man shall see me and live. If I had a title in my talk today, here's what it would be. Dying to meet with God. Dying. I was just dying to see my girl. Man, I want to see God in such a way, in such a deeper way. I want over the next few nights of services and days of services, I just, I'm dying to meet with you. And listen, only dead men see God. Now, pastor, that's Old Testament. Let's get it to the new. Can we get to the new? Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Yeah. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. Do you catch that? I am dead to myself. I'm alive in Jesus. But if you know anything about flesh, in the Greek it's the word sarx. If you know anything about flesh, flesh can be redeemed, but flesh will fight you. Flesh continues to have to be crucified. The old ways, the old man is always trying to rise up. And here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 1.29. No flesh should glory in his presence. Your flesh loses its place in his presence. That unredeemed flesh, that, that flesh that's out of control. Flesh is that part of us that is alienated from God. That part of us that we say, you know what? I don't want to get down to business and deal with that. That's something that I'm going to leave over here. No, and God's saying, no, gird up your loins. Get, get to work. No, 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 no. That's that thing in our life that alienates us from the presence of God. I'll say it this way. When there is too much living flesh present, God draws back his glory. Okay? Hmm. He pulls back the fullness of his manifest presence. You you don't see his face as clearly. You miss his plans and his purposes when you're letting flesh rule. I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm saying you're submitted. I'm saying you're humbled. I'm saying you're repentant. I'm saying you're broken. You're laying this before the Lord. That's where we want to get today, okay? So he doesn't do this. He doesn't draw back his presence to be cruel. He doesn't draw back his presence to dangle a carrot before you. He does it as an act of mercy. I'm going to go Old Testament one more time. His mercy in some ways keeps him from us. Think of the Old Testament priest. Moses was the prophet. His brother Aaron was the start of the Aaronic priesthood. And Aaron, the priesthood, they would go into the Holy of Holies one day a year. And that priest would have on the bottom of his garments, he would have bells. All right? Jingle, jingle, jingle. And also around his leg, he would have a rope. Why? Because if he went into that place, unconsecrated, not where he was supposed to be, the jingling of the bells would stop. And nobody else was going in there because they know no flesh in the presence of God lives. And so they would drag him out by that rope. How do you want to be a priest? You already are? Not like that, man. It's a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, God's peculiar people. That's who we are. Amen? But check this out this is so cool. So before he would go in there, they would take blood. Why? Because blood is a symbol of death, it's a symbol of sacrifice. And they would take the blood. I mean, all the way back in the Old Testament, you see blood as that. They would take the blood. They'd put it on the man's ear, right ear, on his right thumb, on his right toe. So he's got bells. He's got a rope. He's got blood on his ear. Why? So he can hear in a holy way. He's got blood on his thumb so he can do things that are right. Do in a holy way. It's consecrated. Blood on his toe so he can walk in a holy way. Amen? Amen. If we look in our lives and we're realizing our hearing, our doing, and our walking isn't consecrated to the Lord, how can we expect the fullness of his presence to manifest in our lives? I'm not talking about forgiveness. I'm not talking about mercy. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about the power, plans, and presence of God that comes in such an undeniable way. Dying people, you know, you've got to die to meet with God. So if there was anything out of the priest um, outside of God's plan, if there's anything going on in him, physical death would take place. And so I just want to challenge us as we go into this revival, look into your life, look into your heart. We must become like dead men walking, crucified in Jesus. And those things, that flesh that wants to rise up and live that we know needs consecrated, man, we call that thing dead again through repentance and through brokenness. The New Testament equivalent of death, I believe, is repentance, humility, and brokenness. It's death to self so that we can die to self and live in the things of God. How do I know that? Romans 12, 1 and 2. And we're going to close with this. <clears throat> he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Do you catch that? Sacrifices die. But we get to live daily as a sacrifice to the Lord. Not saying a sacrifice that brings our salvation, but a sacrifice daily to flesh, crucified in Jesus, that is our worship. It brings worship to the Lord, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so what I want to leave us with today, we're going to take communion But I want you to come to communion today with a real heart of repentance. Amen? Just a real sense of repentance. And there is a difference between repentance and an apology. All right? Repentance is not the same as an apology. An apology will have you kneeling and crying at an altar. All right? Altars are places where you meet God. And that can be your house. That can be right here. That can be your bedroom. That can be your car. But apology alone will have you, like, kneeling or crying at an altar. But listen, repentance, it has you dying on the altar. Not just crying. Not just, I'm sorry. No, no. There's a humility. There's a brokenness. And you, Lord, you sacrifice for me. I will be a living sacrifice as unto you. I will call those things in my life that want to live against you, I will call those things as dead. And I will repent of those things. Not just an apology. How many this week you, had a, you apologized to God about something? I'm not saying repentance. You apologize. Yeah, I, I'll just be honest. I almost got killed out in front of the church on my motorcycle last week. I'll tell that story another day. But I really did. I almost got just, 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 whew, scared me to death. I'm almost ran over by a truck, a heavy trailer, and a bulldozer, okay? And, and whew, I, I may have said potty words, I apologized they wouldn't have heard me but still I felt convicted 15 years ago I probably would have chased the guy down and gave him a piece of my mind but thank God I'm I'm being crucified in, in Christ amen but but I came up here afterwards and got in my office and and you know how that adrenaline hits you and stuff and you're like ooh, that was close and then Lord thank you that I didn't go chase that guy down like I would have 15 years ago but Lord I'm sorry I I shouldn't have have said what I said. I cursed. I'm not going to fault you for cursing. I'm just being honest. I cursed. Didn't use the Lord's name in vain. I was more creative than that. But in the moment, it felt right. About a half hour later, just, that's not who I am anymore. I'm crucified in Christ. I don't want that to become second nature, I don't want it to become natural, you know what I mean? And so my apology began to turn into repentance, a brokenness, and, and an experience with the Lord that thanked Him for my life, that was spared, but also, Lord, I want, to, I want to be more like you. Amen. And I'll just tell it to you this way, revival does not come without repentance, it just doesn't. It takes repentance. And so I'm going to have you stand to your feet. We're going to begin to worship. The key to God's power is his holiness. And the key to us seeing God's presence, power, and plans in our life, that's revival, is humility and brokenness that leads to repentance and the death of flesh. Amen? So as we go today, as we begin to worship, just begin to come this side of the room up here and grab a communion element and take it back to your seat, this side up here, and then I'll come back in a second, lead us in communion, and just prepare our hearts in repentance as we go into this weekend of revival. Amen? Let's worship. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.